Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Um, welcome everyone to City Beautiful. My name is Ryan uh, and I'm the pastor here. Is there anybody, this is your first time? Great, you're very welcome. Can we, can we have some house lights? I can't see anybody. Is there anybody Coming. Yeah. Ah. They we, had, uh, we had a light malfunction earlier. I think that's what's going on. Here we go. Okay, now I can see you. So who said that this is their first time? Great. Welcome. Welcome. It's good to have you. Um, today is uh, a special day. You know, it's funny even talking about what's normal for us as City Beautiful. Um, I don't think that we have a normal. I think abnormal is our normal. So we're kind of on par for the course today. Um, what I'm really excited about today is actually sitting down with my parents, Robin and Donna Adams. Um, <laughs> Many of you have had the opportunity uh, to at least meet them, if not spend a bit of time with them over the past month. Um, So for my favorite phrase in the English language, for those of you who may or may not know, um, my my parents uh, have both been in the ministry for well over 30 years, uh, the past 20 years in Virginia, um, and they're here for this month, kind of taking a break uh, between uh, between positions as they're getting ready to move uh, to France on Thursday, which is crazy for a, a three-year uh, engagement with the possibility of more. And um, it's, it's, it's really sweet timing because so much of what we've been talking about as a community over the past several months and even what we're going to be spending this spring doing is really talking about, you know, who we are. I think the more that we know who we are, the more we're able uh, to step out and to love the world well. And I think that's true for us as individuals and it's true for us as a community. You know, for many of us, um, you know, perhaps we, we are you know, brand new on the journey of following Jesus, uh, and we don't really have a lot of people around us that can show us what it looks like, um, you know, to follow Jesus faithfully over, over the course of years. Um, and I think it's so valuable for us to be able to engage with people who have been on this journey for a while that can share with us um, the, the wisdom that, that can only come through time. Um, as, as Eugene Peterson titled one of his books, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And I think that's what all of us are here for. We're learning how to do that. We're learning how to, to kind of lift our eyes above the moment, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're wrestling through, and to see the bigger picture of what the life of a Christ follower looks like. Uh, and so I wanted to, um, to share this time with my parents and for, for them just to speak a little bit uh, out of their story and their journey, and hopefully in doing so to encourage all of us on our own. So um, let's pray. I'm going to pray for you, and if you would pray for us, we'll get right into this. Um, So Heavenly Father, uh, we testify that you're here with us and that you're for us every step of the way. Um, Even as as Scott was leading us today, Lord, I'm reminded that it's, it's less about us beckoning you to show up and to move, and it's more about us opening our eyes to see where you already are um, and, and watching what you're already doing so that we can joyfully come into agreement and participate in that. Uh, and Father, that's what we want here, even as we're, um, as we're speaking of story, as we're speaking of calling, as we're speaking of obedience. Um, it's, all, it's, all, it's not just, Lord, for, for obedience' sake. 
It's about us wanting to be more in love with you, to be more in love with one another. And so, Father, bless this time. Keep us all open and available to however you want to speak to each of us as individuals, uh, but also to us as a community. And ultimately, may all of this be to your glory. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so, uh, we, we wanted to begin just by having each of you share a little bit about your story. How, how did you get here? Uh, what has what it meant for you to come to know Jesus and then, by extension, uh, to step into a life of ministry? Dad. Okay, well, I'll start. Um, you probably know that all three of us were born in Ireland. I was born 1954 in Londonderry, which is uh, up in the northwest there near Donegal. And... Um, Northern Ireland is part of Great Britain. It's uh, about the size of Rhode Island with a little bit more of a population. And um, most of the people that lived around us as kids were churchgoers. So we went to church and Sunday school. Uh, we had religious education in school and I learned an awful lot and I was pretty good a little kid. Uh, but at 14, um, that's, that's wrong one. That's her. <laughs> That's her. This is very standard in the 60s for, for everything. Yeah, that's go. me. That's me with the cricket bat and uh, my three brothers. My sister had not yet been born when that was taken. But um, we had a very happy childhood. Um, but when I was 14, I was confirmed in the Anglican church. And that was kind of a graduation. You didn't have to go to Sunday school anymore. And you really didn't have to go to church much. And because it was fashionable in the 60s, I told everybody I was an atheist and I was a vegetarian for a month and you know, tried, <laughs> tried out all of these philosophies. And it was also the time when all of the violence started in Ireland and uh, our home city had a lot of riots and shootings and things happening that affected us as teenagers because we couldn't get out and do the things we normally wanted to do. But I went up to university in Belfast um, and I was engaged by friends who I knew back from home in Derry, but they were involved in InterVarsity. And they challenged me to take an adult look at the scriptures and at Jesus. And after debate and struggling um, in my first year at college, I gave my life to Christ. And it was a dramatic experience for me, and I really felt from that moment that God was calling me to serve him. I didn't have a clue where that service would be, but I felt it might be overseas, and it would be you know, for my life. So I was studying computer science, and uh, you know, because I was good at math and computers, and I thought that might have which, been my... Which, by the way, we're talking early 1970s computers. Yeah. So we're talking about like you're good at walking into what was this at the at the docks in Belfast and it's like a whole yeah the, wall. the computer would have filled this room and would have been you know less powerful than your watch you know so <laughs> but that's what we had and um, but you know it became more apparent as I went through college that uh, you know I wasn't going to stick with that I did I did you know get my degree in computer science and had some experience programming. But uh, almost immediately I got called uh, for the ministry and went to London for three years and trained there for the ministry. And part of that was working in a different church each year. One year I worked with the Chinese church, which gave me some international experience. And uh, then I was ordained 
and came back to Ireland at age 25, so that's me on the, your left of the bishop there in the center, a 25-year-old. Most of these guys were young as well, in their late 20s when they started uh, the ministry. And I worked in three different churches, two as an assistant and the third one as the senior lead pastor. And in the first one is where I met Donna. Oh, I get to do, I get to talk now. Okay. Um, well, like Robin, I was um, born, I am the oldest of two girls. I have a younger sister. That's us. Look, aren't they cute? Um, I'm the oldest of two girls. I was born into a family uh, that were churchgoers. You know, you showed up on Sunday because it's what you did. Didn't make much difference on your life on Monday through Saturday, but every Sunday you were in church and you just went and you stuck it out and that's what happened. When I was 14, my parents became Christians. I wasn't really sure what that meant didn't really know, but we'd had a change of pastor, and suddenly, like, the preaching changed, the music changed, things started happening in our church, it wasn't the same old, same old, and it's like, ooh, this is different, and then I, um, some of my friends became Christians and well, and I thought, ooh, people don't do that. I mean, that's for old people, you know, life's over, you've had your fun, and like when you're in your 40s, you can become a Christian, that's okay, but like definitely not for teenagers. But um, I, I love to sing, and so a friend had invited me to join a choir that was forming in our, our town for this big crusade that was happening, evangelistic crusade, sort of Billy Graham type thing. And so I went and I joined this choir and we had a grand old time. And so I stood in the back row of this choir every night for a month and I sang all the songs, you know, just as I am, yada, yada, and all that. And it was fine. And I switched off during the sermon because I didn't need to know what he said. And came to the night before the end and this guy was preaching and he said, if you were to die tonight and stand before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven what would you say? That was the part of the sermon I heard. I had no answer. And a couple of months prior to this, I had faced death as a, as a real thing in, in a life of um, a friend of mine. Um, some youth group members were racing through our village, one in a car and one in a motorcycle. The car did a handbrake turn in the middle of the street flung the guy on the motorcycle, off the motorcycle, smashed him into the front wall of his own home, and he died right at his own doorstep. So I knew he was 17 years old. I knew um, the death could happen even to 14-year-olds like me, and that night I was really convicted that I had nothing to say to God, that I knew I would never be able to get to heaven. I was not good enough. There was, I had no relationship with Jesus. So that night, Jesus and I did business. I made lots of tears and snot and all of that. It wasn't pretty at all. But that was a real turning point in my life. Um, life was not about me anymore. And I was very fortunate in that for the first three months of that, I was well discipled. I would go to, I went to a discipleship group every week for um, three months. And that was so important in my foundation because I learned really who Jesus is, what he could mean to me in my life. I learned how to address him. I learned about prayer and Bible study and how to share my faith. And it was a fabulous time of real growth, like accelerated growth. 
which was very important. You know those teenage years? Some of you still even remember those? They're not easy, and that was a really important time. And then I um, was fortunate enough at the high school that I went to, uh, had a very strong Christian ministry, and I got involved in that again, which was a great help in my formative years. So I finished, um, I finished high school. I did not get to university because in Ireland they do these things called A-levels, and you only have studied three subjects, and you have to get really good marks because um, university is free, but the point of that is they only let the really smart people in, and I wasn't one of those. So I didn't get to go. So I got a job, and then I met... His was, nibs. <laughs> his nibs. Your man over here. Your man over here. Met your man. Um, it was never my plan to, you know, get married, settle down, have a family, all that. I was going to be a career girl and all that, but God went... <laughs> and so... Um, Robin and I met, and we got married. After he dated your cousin. After he dated my cousin for a year, yes. And that's a photograph of us after our wedding. We married on New Year's Day, 1983. So we just celebrated 35 years, 21 days ago. It was our 35th wedding anniversary. 35 glorious years, as you can imagine. But we'd known, um, Robin had had an interest in, you know, working internationally and ministering internationally. And we'd always known that from we got married, and we'd even talked about it before we got married, was we would work overseas somewhere, thinking it was going to be, you know, up a river in a dugout canoe yacht in Africa, yo-ho-ho, you know, all of that. And that didn't happen, thankfully. And we ended up here um, in 1989. 1989, we came to America, and we'd had two boys, and we got another one when we came here, the one that can be president, so look out in the next, because we might be changing the current president for one that you really don't want. What what does he call himself? Benevolent dictator is what he's going to be when he gets to be president. But anyway... um, Obviously, you know, coming to Christ as a 14-year-old, what do you know? Not much. I had the foundation of, you know, great discipleship. But I have grown so much. It's been 42 years. I am not the person I was at 14. I am not the Christian. I am not the disciple. And I've gone through a lot. Sometimes it's been better than others, you know, like in everything in life. We learn stuff and we forget. We make the mistakes. God brings us back. And we learn and we grow. But it has been 42 years of growing. And I think that's the important thing, is that we're not saved, come to faith, call it what you will, converted, um, just so that we get into heaven, which is what my initial um, entry point was. But we are saved, converted, come to Christ, come to faith, because that's for relationship. That's what our Father desires. We were made for relationship with God. And when we connect to God, the gospel is all about connection. It's just connecting to God, connecting to others. When we have healthy relationship connecting with God, we can relate to others in a much more wholesome and healthy way. And so that is my story. We've moved around. Um, As Robin said, you know, we'd we'd served in Ireland. We've served in um, America in two churches. And now we have the opportunity to go and serve in France. And I'm excited about the next part. Um, So one of the things that we've talked about a lot here is... You know, we all have this common purpose, 
which, you know, there's a lot of different language for it, but essentially it's about revealing who God is or, or advancing the kingdom. There's a lot of, you know, different ways even in scripture that's spoken of, but that's the common purpose for all of us. Um, but our calling within our purpose is uniquely crafted based on our personal stories, uh, on our spiritual gifts, on even, you know, our personalities, how we see the world, how we interact with the world. And, um, you know, at this point in your ministry, even outside of the vessel of working at a church, um, how would you describe your calling, you know, even individually, but largely together? Um, I think... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> My calling is to be a disciple. And that is the calling of every Christian and mine is to be a disciple where I am, being who I am. And that entails me putting in effort and, and like Cole said a couple of weeks ago, if you were here for that fabulous talk, it's about being intentional. And I think for our calling, we have to be intentional in seeking God to discover what that is. For each one of us, each one of us will have a different call on our life. And my call, as I say, I think is being the best disciple that I can be, not just in my own strength, but my strength combined with the grace that God pours into my life. I agree with all of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jesus said, go into the world all the world and make disciples and he called people to be disciples not believers or followers or members of the church but disciples so it's a struggle all your life to be uh, following step after step uh, Jesus who Jesus is and um, you know realizing that you're never Christ is never completely formed in you but you make progress over time and it uh, makes a difference. I like to think that everybody is being discipled in one or two or three more areas of their life, while they themselves might, might have had success in some things in their life, and they can turn around and disciple someone else who's struggling with those areas in their life and say, look, this is what I've learned, and come along with me and grow with me and while we're growing with others. And... Um, that's what discipleship is. It's us helping each other to become closer uh, to Jesus Christ and being very intentional uh, about that. So when we were talking earlier in the week, we were, we were talking about like what really genuinely matters, you know, because a lot of times we can be so focused on what we're struggling with in the moment or getting caught up in, you know, differing trends or whatever it might be. And sometimes those things are very sensitive to where we're at in our journey, if we're just beginning or, or whatever we need to hear in the moment. But over the course of time, we were talking about what really matters. And you had said that the core of the gospel is about making connections with God and, and each other. Um, what have you learned about this idea of making connections um, that really matters? Um, you know, when we started our ministry, particularly in Ireland, which has a different culture from America, and it was very much a, uh, everybody belongs to a church and kind of goes to a church or at least acknowledges the right of the church to be involved in their lives. 
But the concept of becoming a Christian was that you believe first and then you can belong to the inner core of the church. You may be on the fringe of the church, but you're invited into the inner core after you believe, just like Donna said, she became a Christian at a rally and then got more involved in the intimate things of being a Christian. But I think today, and particularly in the modern culture that we're coming into in, in the United States and that you face as millennials, is that um, people like to feel their faith more than think about it, which is unfortunate. I think we, we I believe we should think clearly about right and wrong and truth and those concepts, but people often want to feel it and they want to experience it. So how do they experience it? It's through community. And a person is invited to become part of the community, whether it's a friendship with a Christian or being part of a small group or coming to you know, your uh, worship sessions or your, your midweek activities of whatever kind. And they see the, the quality of relationships between people. And uh, we love one another, and that love itself is a testimony to the presence of Christ and the power of Christ to change people and make a difference. And so becoming part of the community is what helps a person to then believe uh, in Jesus for themselves. Say, I want what they've got. And they start to believe and, and put it all into practice and put all the bits and pieces together in their life. So I think that we are connecting to each other at the same time as we're connecting to God. And both of these things are the, uh, the essential building blocks of a Christian life. I would also say that, you know, partly due to our generation is that because of the breakdown of, you know, nuclear family and people being so mobile in the States today, that we've lost sight of how to make connections with one another. People are not good at connecting. Like you might have 3,000 followers on Facebook, but you're not connecting. You're not connecting in ways that really matter. And so I think because of that, because of this lack of ability or knowledge on how to connect with other people on a real and meaningful way, it has somehow um, stifled the way that we connect to God. We, we're not able, if we can't connect with the people that are sitting beside us, and living around us, how are we gonna connect with a God whom we cannot see, we cannot feel, we cannot taste? That is so hard. So I think this idea of belonging is a fabulous one, is of making connections, learning how to connect with people and being intentional about that again. How many of you have shared the gospel with the person that lives next door to you across the hall from you, works in the cubicle next to you. How many of you have invited that person for coffee? You have said, how's your family? What are you doing this week? You wanna hear what I saw? Making connections and starting to really get to know people. That song that said that, you know, we are known, and isn't that our deepest need? to know that we are known. That is the core of the gospel. Another part of that is to know that we are known. And if we can reach out and connect with others, we can invite them then to know this God that we know because we have 
been a conduit of his love into their lives, speaking into their lives. Not that they're gonna listen to your advice, but whatever. But you're gonna make those connections and I think that's another part of that belonging. And I think that's, it's a good shift in many ways from what the church used to be. And it's exciting and it's new and it's different and it's up to all of us to keep that going, but I think making those connections, learning how to make human connections and, and invites us then to learn better how to make a connection with God. So how have each of you learned the best way that you connect either with God or with other people? You know, because there's, I mean, I think there, there's that general invitation for all of us. Yes, we should connect and we should be intentional, but um, so much of it is figuring out the ways in which we've been crafted to do that. So what have you learned over 40 years? I think one of the gifts that uh, we have, especially Donna has, is um, hospitality. And, um, you know, we eat, eating together is a basic uh, way that human beings connect with each other, whether it's a meal or a cup of coffee or whatever. And connecting through activities, you know, going hiking or play dates or um, hanging out together. Uh, using your home, using your vehicle, whatever it is that you have to try to connect. Maybe it's harder when you're in a little apartment, you tend to go out and have to connect in a movie theater or something like that. But um, I, I connect to God best through reading scripture and through um, you know, praying and, uh, on my own and um, fellowship with other Christians, you know, when we can study the Bible together and one person has an idea and you sharpen each other as you get into the scriptures together. And, uh, you know, most of my uh, prayer life and worship life comes from whatever the scriptures say to me and I take that and work on that the rest of the time. But part of it is also discernment and seeing what God is doing and you alluded to that last week um, in your teaching and, you know, to always walk around and to say, what, what is God showing me in this neighborhood or in this home that I'm going to visit or in this person's demeanor and appearance or their language? You know, God, show me something of the inner person, what is really going on with them, and so that I can connect with that and speak to that, not just the, the, fr the facade, facade that someone has uh, on the outside. What about you, Mom? How do you connect? How do I connect? I connect to God um, primarily through worship, being in church every Sunday. There's nothing better that you can be doing on a Sunday than to be here. There's nothing more important that you can be doing on a Sunday than to be here, sitting with these people, worshiping with these people. And so I love, I love praise and worship, and that's how I connect to God. I've also, one of the things that I've just started recently to do um, since last June was journaling my prayers. I always sort of poo-pooed that idea of writing stuff down because my brain works far faster than my fingers do and it was just going to slow me down. Yep, it was going to slow me down, but I have found that that has been fabulous way to be focused and to be really intentional about my prayer life and to really see that. So that's the way I connect. Um, and as I shared this morning uh, with the group this morning, I'm a very practical person. So if I can see practical ways of helping and um, 
sharing what I've learned with someone else, that's how I'm gonna do it. Um, I've, uh, I've taught Financial Peace University for about 15 years, so I teach personal finance with groups or individuals, led a lot of people through that. Um, we have opened our home. We've had homeless people, homeless families have lived with us, people in need, um, people who have come out of broken relationships, who needed a place to heal. So we've offered, we've always had people live with us and minister to them and then sent them back out again. They're not gonna hang around forever on my dime. So <laughs> get your stuff together and move on out, people. That's the way it's supposed to happen, children included. Um, but I think God has used, or I have, I wanted to use, you know, the practical talents and gifts that God has given me. I have used those um, in ways to connect to people, to make connections with people. Um, and then, you know, he has taken that, and as Robna said, you know, hospitality has been a big thing. And that, we, we often say that's a it's a multiplier gift. Whatever you are called to, whatever your spiritual gift is, whether it's prophecy or helps or administration or whatever your gift is, you stick that along with hospitality, the sum is greater than the parts. And I'm not a mathematician. But that stuff really works. So I think that has been one of the ways that we have really connected. Oh, and I'll tell you another thing we did. For the past two years, we've been Airbnb hosts. Thinking, we're gonna make some extra money here, this is gonna be fun. The number of times that we have been able to minister to people in our home through Airbnb has been unreal. Just the people that have, we've connected with and complete, you, mean, you walk in your door, they're complete strangers, you know nothing about them, and we sit and we talk and we share a glass of wine and it bleh. You mean grape juice? Grape, yes. <laughs> Of the fermented Yes. Of the fermented <laughs> The old stuff. Yeah. Not the new stuff. Right? The stuff's been laying around for a while. But it's amazing when, you, when people sit down with you and you're just very open and they just like, bleh, you just get all of it. And then we've had opportunities to really pray over people. Some of the people we've kept in, in connection with. And it's been... It's been a fabulous way to connect. And it's not hard. God doesn't call us to do really hard things all the time. Some of the ways that we make connections are really, really easy. And they're working in your strengths, either in your natural gifts or in your spiritual gifts. God wants us to enjoy life. It doesn't have to be a drag, it doesn't have to be a dirge, it doesn't have to be too hard and like climbing a wall all the time. Life is supposed to be good. It is a gift from our Father. He loves to give good gifts to his children. He's given us lives that should be full and exciting and new every day. So, so Dad, you went, you went to seminary. Can we get that photo up real quick just to continue to... Honor him. <clears throat> so, so, Dad, for you, the calling came pretty quickly after really engaging with Jesus. 
knowing that you were called, going and getting trained up, and then kind of entering into the ministry kind of vocationally. And then, Mom, for you, it was a bit more of a surprise. It wasn't really the anticipation, but you've kind of entered into that together. Um, what, for both of you, what has been the most surprising thing uh, about ministering the heart of Jesus to people over 40 years that maybe you wouldn't have anticipated in the beginning? That's a big one. Um, for me, That it's, one's not on the sheet. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're off the sheet. But for me, it's, uh, it's always people and uh, how very disappointing it can be to minister to some people and how very amazingly brilliant it can be to minister to others. And there's really no way to predict. And, you know, when Jesus, this, uh, Jesus had the same experience, you know, he preached to people, he loved people, he healed people, and they walked away from him. And other complete strangers ran up to him and just immediately accepted what he had to say and became the most devout disciples. So it's not about us, it's about being consistent and just continually putting out there the word of God to people. And, um, you know, when he told the parable of the sower and the seed, it was three times that there were failures, but the fourth where there was a success, it had enormous lead on consequences and we have to think about that so as I look back over 30 40 years of ministry I can see that that there'll be many times I've been bitterly disappointed poured my life and my love into people and they they just um, you know eventually rejected Christ and messed up their lives no matter what help and what advice you gave and you wonder why and then other people with just a few words and, and a little effort they just blossom in the faith and, and what I've learned is that it's God who does the work you know we, we are just the sower of the seed we're not the soil we're not the sun we're not the rain we just have to keep sowing the seed and be faithful in that showing up is the most important thing in ministry Mom? yeah all that what was the question again What's been most surprising to you that maybe you hadn't anticipated at the beginning? That I'd still be doing this after 35 years. <laughs> it's probably the most surprising. Um, as, I mean, as, as you said, I did not call, be, I did not, it was never my life's calling to be in the ministry, as it were. And so I don't, really, to be honest with you, I don't feel that I am in the ministry, the ministry. I just feel that I am a disciple of Christ doing um, what, what God has called me to do in my situation. You know, through that, through the 35 years that we've been um, together um, leading a church or leading churches, you know, I've been, I've been First of all, I've been a disciple. Second of all, I've been a wife. That's my second priority. Third, I've been a mom. That's been my third priority. Then I've been a member of a church, always. That's my fourth. And then fifth, I've been in ministry, doing ministry stuff. And I think the most surprising thing is that ministry happens in the most unlikely places. 
it's not always something that is organized and it doesn't always come out of a church program. And I think the feeling that, you know, the person up front is the one who is in ministry is such a fallacy. It really isn't, shouldn't be like that because we're all in ministry. Whether you are the quietest little mouse or you're this exuberant, you know, person who's got it all together, we are all in ministry. And I think the surprising thing for me, watching, especially over the past 20 years, you know, we've been in the same church for 20 years. So you see people through a lot of different stages in, in life and seeing people who would claim to be Christians who to me are just pew warmers. They just sit there and they don't do anything. They do plenty of complaining, but they don't do stuff. And I think that's been, it's been the biggest disappointment in ministry is that you see so many people that don't get engaged. They tell you, oh yes, I'm a Christian, but they, they're not committed. They're not in it to win it. They don't like coal, they don't own it. They're just there. And that's really disappointing to watch those lives just sort of go along. And then as Robin said, you know, other people just blossom and grow and just, they're just so in love with Jesus. They're ready, they'll do anything. And they'll experiment and try. And um, one of the things about, you know, being in the ministry is the number of times you have to try something and fail at it before you get right. And it's okay. You know, God is gracious and he doesn't, um, he doesn't look any less on us because we fail. He looks less on us if we never tried, but he doesn't look less on us when we fail. And, it's, and I think, you know, it's helping, o- helping other people along in their journey has made me grow. And I think that's also, a, you know, a surprise as well, that I have grown in so many ways just from, you know, trying to do my part, whatever it is, with others. Does that answer your question? If you think that it answers the question, then you did. You did answer it. Um, so, you know, you're both 29, and you're getting ready uh, to move back to the to, yeah, plus tax. Um, so you're getting ready to go into this this next chapter, and you know, and it's funny even with your story. The illusion is like now you're going overseas. You're kind of going back over the same sea and then skipping over another little one. And then you're going to be in France. Um, so you're going to be there for at least three years. What's like the number one thing that you're anticipating, you know, kind of reflecting on, on everywhere you've been, everything that you've learned and discovered. What's the, what's the next thing that you're anticipating in this new chapter? Um, I think it's very difficult for us to predict what uh, ministry is going to be like in that context. Uh, we're, we're ministering to three different congregations spread over a large geographical area uh, to English to speaking people. And um, that's the map. Yeah, Brittany. It uh, points the corner pointing out of France, northwest corner. Um, it's wetter and cooler than a lot of France, but it's a large area. And there are uh, a, a sprinkling of particularly English retired people there and a few Americans and others that might be wanting a church to worship in English. So those are the ones we're trying to reach. 
and um, how to get in touch with them and how to you know make meaningful contact with them when it's such a big area and um, you know the congregation are committed to doing that there's uh, they have different programs and activities that they that they do and ways that they draw in people but most of it is word of mouth just bumping into somebody on the street and saying hey you know you'd love it come along and join us and uh, social activities are very big but finding our rhythm and finding out how to do that is going to be I think very difficult and for me uh, learning French will be difficult we don't have to minister in French but you have to live in France and uh, you know that's going to be fun I'm anticipating making a lot of faux pas. That's, that's Fox Pass. Um, I'm anticipating that this is, it's going to be very different because, as Robin has said, most of the congregation will be, um, current congregation, are retired. So I've never worked with a bunch of old people before like that. We've always ministered in churches where there's been a broad spectrum of, ki of you know, kids, young adults, whatever. And, and it's going to be very different. And I had shared with some people, one of the exciting things was that in talking to the congregation when we were there in August and September, we find out that about half the people at these churches only came to faith since they moved to France. So they're not, we're not ministering to a bunch of people that you know, grew up in the church or had anything to do with the church at all, because these are English people. They don't go to church. And so it, they're, they're coming you know, in their golden years. They have discovered faith, and they have discovered Jesus, and it's looking at the world from a different perspective than what we're used to. And so I'm expecting excitement and great things and they are very social so that will be a wonderful thing and seeing how God works in lives and people who have sort of been displaced and how new experiences for them have brought them to Christ so for us again being displaced new experiences will bring us closer to God one of the other things that we're anticipating is God's provision um, we're taking a 70% pay cut to do this in a country where it's much more expensive to live. So we're going to see, yay God, go, do whatever you need to do to do that. Um, so I'm excited and anticipating God to come through and see how that all works out. But there's, there's lots of unknowns. Um, you know, that's all well and good when you're your age, but when you're like us, unknown is a bit scary. It's a bit, what are we gonna do? You know, apart from coming back and living with Ryan for the rest of our lives and <laughs> live in the family compound. <laughs> Be one of those families. Um, but I'm, I'm anticipating God doing great things. The people there are so um, they're so committed to Christ and so desperate to see the gospel reached out. They know the, the change that has, they've experienced even as retired people. And they just have this enormous desire to see that in other lives and f figuring out ways to do that. So I'm really excited.
great. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot recently is this idea of kingdom legacy. You know, that each one of us, it's, it's a way to describe what our faithfulness to Jesus looks like over time. And like I said, for some of us, we're just kind of beginning that journey. We're beginning to form this idea of what the legacy that we're going to leave behind for the sake of the kingdom looks like. And some of us, we're kind of far enough along in the journey that we can take the temperature of it and say, Lord, what, what is the legacy that you're calling me to live out? You know, and then and some folks, like my parents, have, have been at this for a while, but even there's this next chapter that's a bit of a surprise. You know, this, this wasn't the plan. You know, but that's that's what it looks like. France is never anybody's plan. Yeah. Um, and and so my my heart in having them come and share with us is, I hope that in some way it inspires all of us to really ask that question: What is the kingdom legacy that God desires to 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 co-author with you, based on your story, on the gifts that He's given you? Like, what what does it look like for you to kind of come to the end and to hear? Those, those words I think that all of us want to hear at the core of who we are. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, and so I, I want us to transition into worship um, by just praying over my parents um, because they're your brothers and sisters. Their legacy is your legacy. You know, we're all in this together um, and we get to kind of champion one another on, along. So I'm going to invite them to come down into the center here. And if all of you would stand up and come and, and gather around them and lay hands. So we're going to pray and prophesy over them to encourage them into this next chapter um, and just kind of see what the Lord wants to say uh, in this moment. Father, we thank you that you have met us, that you have saved us into a family. Lord, it's less about us choosing in, and it's more about recognizing that we have been chosen, that we are your children, and that makes us brothers and sisters with those that we're surrounded by in this moment. Father, help us to see that kind of unity, that we are bound together in your Son. Um, that you have called each of us by name, that you have given us our identity, and you've also given us our purpose, our calling. You've given us something to do. And Lord, you equip us to do that, not because we have a mastery of anything, but because we're willing to go 
even in the most surprising places. Lord, I pray that all of us would continue to have um, our eyes open to see you moving around us, to have our hands open, willing to receive whatever moment by moment you want to show us what you're inviting us to, what you want to equip us to. Father, we want to build kingdom legacies both within our community and we also want to speak into the brothers and sisters we have around the world and what they're doing, encouraging them, challenging them to continue to stay faithful to you and so that we all might get be caught up in the restoration of all things and hear those beautiful words, well done, my good and faithful servants. And so Heavenly Father, as we continue on in worship of your holy name, I pray that you would speak to each one of us about our legacy, about our stories, about our gifts, um, about the places that you've called us to, the people that you've called us to, that you would kindle within us an excitement to administer your kingdom of love in surprising and spectacular ways. Father, ultimately, in everything that we think, feel, speak, do, may it all be for your glory. We pray these things in the strong and the blessed name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.